Well, I have a microphone, and you don't. So you will listen to every damn word I have to say! Now off the top, Lyle Alzado. Was he 77? I think so. Um, it's not important. What's important is we've got a lot of um, entertainment time that we spent this last week to talk about. Exactly. Uh, 77 hours worth of stuff. Lyle Alzado was 77. I was right. All right. Um, would you say how many? 77 hours. Oh, yeah. It felt like it for some of this stuff. Yeah, it did. Um, especially a couple of the things we're going to be talking about. Yes. So what, do uh, you have any notes? I have no notes. I have two notes. Okay. There's, have you heard about this Colombian dog that uh, is in some trouble? No. So there's a dog. His name is Sombra. He works at the... Uh, an airport at Columbia in Columbia and he's like responsible for the capture of like 245 people and about 900 tons of cocaine over his lifespan there and a Colombian drug gang put out a hit $70,000 to anyone that could kill Sombra how's it going so far well they moved they moved the dog to a different airport and uh, apparently, like, kids are all upset because I guess the dog was like a really big hit to kids. It was like a, the face of, like, the Colombian TSA and all this stuff. Um, so uh, I'll let you know if uh, anything happens with Sombra. So wait, could you explain exact? So what exactly happened? So basically this dog right. is used for, like drug sniffing dog at the mm. airport and was responsible for like busting this cartel's like over the years of its lifespan like 240 people and 9 tons of cocaine uh, trying to get through the airport that this dog Nat like basically caused it so to get is the dog under supervision right now? well it has an owner you know what I mean like it has like a person it lives with Right. And that goes... That, Do you know what kind of dog it is? Yeah, it's a German Shepherd. Okay. And so, people are worried, so they moved it to a different airport. Which I feel like it's doing its job. Why keep it in place? Can you imagine, like, a whole thing where, like, there's, like, you know, that prison shank, like, like Ocean's Eleven type scam where people are walking around handing the dog, and then they just like start stabbing the dog in the middle of the airport. All right. Yeah, no, I can't. It's not going to happen. I know. It's not going to happen. 
Look, I'm rooting no one's going to kill the dog. <laughs> We're all rooting for that the dog. That is something you'd see, though. That's a great way to make a bad guy in a movie. Like, in the beginning, if you want to show somebody he's bad, he's the guy that's going to go after the dog. <laughs> yeah. No one's going to kill the dog. Um, the dog doesn't know what it's doing. Okay. What's your other no- note? My other note is that, uh, did you hear scientists have come up with a uh, possible, well, okay, let me rephrase this. Being frozen alive, may you may be able to be brought back to life. Oh, cool. So they dug up these worms in uh, Arctica, in the Arctic. Okay. Like that were buried like underneath the Arctic. Arctica. No, in the Arctic. Sorry. Yeah. Now I want to see if there is a place. I was going to say Antarctica, but it's not the Antarctica. Okay. Um, in the Arctic, and they dug up a sample of like some soil, and there was like these worms there that have been dated to forty thousand years ago, and scientists have thawed out the ice, and the worms have come back to life. But they're also worried that. The ancient DNA, like mixing with anything, like they're keeping it isolated because they don't know what to do if it got contaminated. Like years and years and years of evolution. All right. So, so you may be able to be put to sleep and wake up forty thousand years in the future. Fingers crossed. Um, all right. That's the only two notes I have. Uh, okay, so let's get into it. Um, I guess our first is... Um, let's see the new Mission Impossible movie. Or, as we like to call it, the Summer of No Runner. Summer of No Runner. So, no, but he, was, he was in tech. Listen. I didn't see tech. The two, quite possibly the two biggest movies of the summer are franchises that involve Jeremy Renner, and he's not neither of them. Where were the other ones? Avengers. Oh yeah, that's right. That's a good call. Yeah, that's a, that's a big telling statement yeah. in his career. I mean, if the two, because you know, Mission Impossible, <laughs> it may not. I mean, it'll be a probably what top five grossing movie of the year. You think somewhere when it makes yeah. sixty? It made sixty, but it's made a lot overseas. I guess yeah, right. He'll yeah, he'll sell overseas a lot more. So like, when you include all that, and then Avengers is definitely going to be probably the number one movie of the year. So. Both franchises feature Jeremy Renner. Both movies were like, nah, we're good. <laughs> oh, that guy. <laughs> so, Rennerless, uh, MI6. Sorry to ruin it. He didn't show up. He didn't make it uh, from um, the previous film. Well, I don't think it's really ruining it. I think we're probably the only two people that were sitting there watching the movie and kept whispering, like, I wonder if this is going to be where Jeremy Renner shows up. Yeah, like they kept talking about some... Uh, like agent that went rogue that yeah. no one knew like who he was and what that, like, that's not really a spoiler alert either right. it happens in every Mission Impossible movie yeah. and you're like oh who could it be so wait are we gonna do this spoiler wise or no um I mean is there a lot to spoil let's not we, we can not we do, spoil we get, the okay. twist okay but there's not really much to spoil it's just we're gonna talk about some action scenes alright so, um, Mission Impossible, or what, 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 how did you feel about this one? Uh, I loved it. thought it was fun. Yeah. It was a good movie. 
there were these two old ladies sitting next to me, and like they were jazzed to see it. They were like, "Are you excited to see this?" Oh yeah, and I was like, "Yeah." <laughs> <laughs> um, so everyone like that went to see it, you know, was like super pumped because it had gotten good reviews and the uh, the series in general has stepped it up every sequel. Uh, to go bigger and bigger, and everyone was, like, excited to see what was going to happen in this one. Um, but, yeah, I thought it was great. I've got a couple nitpicks, but uh, we'll talk about it. But what was your overall uh, Yeah, I loved it. Um, I think it's one of those movies where if you, don't, if you don't like it, then you probably should stop going to the movies. Like, I don't mean to be that blunt, but, like, this is everything you want out of a movie. There's some stuff to laugh at. There's tons of action. It's, like, intriguing, good-looking people, places <laughs> all over the world. It's, like, this is just fun. I don't remember exactly how long it was, but... Two and a half hours. Two, all right, so it's just two and a half hours of fun. Um, so, yeah, I am um, 100%... Um, I know there are a lot of Tom Cruise haters out there, but... Guy makes some good movies. Not just that, but the guy gives like everything. You can't. Nobody like loves movies more than that guy. Nobody loves making movies right now more than that guy. And you could say Spielberg. You could, you know, it, the only people you could bring up are people like directors. As far as like your actors or whatever, there is nobody who gives everything that guy gives. To, like that guy. What about Bruce Willis? No. Stop it. Talking about the yeah. roast. Yeah. We're going to be talking about later. Um, but no, he... Um, so, you know, like other people always argue about whether or not Tom Cruise is in the guys or girl. I don't even think that... I think he's, like... His only relationship that matters in his life is with his audience. Like, that that's the only thing that matters to that guy. All right. Like, I think he... It, rather than, like, sleeping with a man or a woman, if he could, he'd sleep with, like, box office receipts. Or like maybe he does. I don't know. He's just that's that's how he strikes me as a guy that has like decided that the only thing that matters to me is making like awesome movies because he did you know he does all these stunts. I heard it like there's a huge scene with the helicopter that he he flew the helicopter throughout all those scenes. It was just him in in the helicopter. He didn't have his license and he he trained like it's like this whole couple month process that he had to go through to like get his license to do it and like the nobody would like so the director Chris McQuarrie has been everywhere lately and yeah. he's a really good interview like if you get to hear any interviews with him he's really I've been really waiting good. to listen to it because I wanted to see the movie first yeah so I li- last night I listened to one of them and I'd been listening before that, that Channel 33 the Channel 33 one before that though I listened to one um on this podcast called Q&A from like three years ago with him and Tom Cruise down in, in Austin talking about it. And, you know, this is a guy, he's super interesting because he wrote The Usual Suspects, won the Oscar for it, and then was like, I don't know what to do now. And he, he talks about, like, if I didn't win that Oscar, I'd have quit by now because I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. But um, I realized, I was lucky enough that I kept getting chances and that I realized that I was better at helping other people write their scripts than, you know, and then I, so he got on Ghost Protocol and did some of that, which is Mission Impossible 4. Then Mission Impossible 5, he direct, Tom Cruise was like, hey, I like you, you want to direct this? And he's like, I, yeah, I guess, you know. 
And then you get back on this one. He's the first director to direct two of these. Um, and he just seems to get it. I mean, having Tom Cruise in your corner is probably really helpful. Yeah. Like, he's done, like, nine movies with him, he said, where he's, yeah. he's been involved in the writing. And they go through the process of how he writes with Tom Cruise, you know, like... Well, I think it was... Was it, was it Paul Haggis? Uh, I say it really softly, though. Sorry, so Paul Haggis. <laughs> I don't think it was Paul Haggis. It was... Uh, maybe it was... He was basically, like, was writing with Tom Cruise on one of the movies. And uh, he basically lived in Tom Cruise's... Uh, basically above his garage and like would work out of there and he would finish a scene and then he would open a window and go like Tom would like have a window open and go alright I'm ready for you and like Tom Cruise would like stop whatever he was doing run down they would talk about the scene and then he would like go back to what he was doing and then the guy would keep writing and like that's what, how they wrote the whole movie Hmm. And you can see the visual of Tom who's yeah. running because obviously he runs in every movie. Um, and that's probably Paul Haggis because that's the old Scientology yeah. connection. Um, but anyway, yeah, so um, Chris, uh, Chris McCrary seems to really get like what, what's going on. And I guess a lot of their process is a give and take of Tom Cruise saying, hey... I want to fly helicopters. Like, All right, so we'll add a helicopter scene in. And he said, sometimes they write things for older movies and they bring them into this because it makes more sense. Um, well, they said they were planning uh, on the set of the last one before they finished. They started planning, like, scenes for this new one. And basically, Tom Cruise, like, trained for, like, an, a year. Like, doing that jump... You know, the jump that he yeah. had to do from that he high breaks, altitude? That he breaks his foot? No, no. The one oh. where he jumps out of the plane. Oh, yeah. Because you have to do it from a high altitude, and you like it's really hard to do. You basically, like, dive until the last second, then you pull your cord. Um, so they had to do, like... That's when he, when he goes into France yeah. and Paris. And uh, the helicopter. He needed to learn how to do a right helicopter. Um, so let's just, let's get into some, some things. Um, I guess throughout the plot, we were sitting there both trying to guess what was happening. And as with typical mission impossibles, there's like, uh, it's not even just double crosses. There's like octo crosses. Well, that was, yeah. Quintuple crosses. It wasn't as bad as the first movie in terms of double crosses, but I did like, that they have a... They carried over the villain. Yes. And, uh, you know, the plot is, like, revolves around the villain. And, like, you're just like, oh, shit. Like, the, the basically the... I don't want to, like... I guess should we... He has to basically break this guy out. Well, you just say, yeah. The villain's, like, staying one step ahead. And you can... Yeah. You know? And so... He has to break the guy out in order to propel the plot... And that's the last thing he wanted to do because in the last movie, this guy was so hard to catch. It was like his nemesis and like his, he met his match. Right. And uh, just bringing that guy back like caused a new like emotional, uh, you know, because Tom Cruise hates that guy. Right. So there's a, there's a tension that these movies always keep with you because you can never trust what you're seeing. And, but what this one did really well, I mean, and they all do them pretty well. Um, but I feel like 
uh, Rogue, what was the last one? Rogue Nation? Yeah. Rogue Nation didn't, I don't remember it happening as well. You can correct me if I'm wrong. But one of the things that they did in this really well was the ta-da. Like, not only was it the, that you were being double, that you were being fooled, it was the, the presentation of exposing what you just had been faked into seeing. Yeah. Like, the this, whole audience is just like, oh, yeah, that is good, the way you just well, did that. the last one I don't even think had that as a moment. Right. That, they didn't do that. Like, where it was like, oh, this guy was not really the guy you think you were watching. Right. But they, one of the things I didn't like about this movie, too, was I didn't like the scenes that where he was having nightmares that you thought that that you thought were real. Right. And then, you know, you're like, oh, shit, what the hell's going on here? And then it, like, flashes back. I know that, I think we talked about this after, one of the reasons they did it was because Michelle Monaghan, like, you know, is in the movie, and they didn't want to, re- you know. Yeah, basically you're just giving that away, but that's fine. Yeah, her I know. name's in the credits. I know. But she's in the movie, and they didn't want to reveal what it was going to be. Again. What was going to happen. There you it go. was a misdirection. Anyway. I'm going to try to get you out of this mess you just dug yourself into with the non-spoiler. Anyway. That's not a spoiler. She's in the movie. Okay. She's in the credits. Um, but, um, yeah, he, uh, I don't like the dream sequences either. That always, that, that's one of those, I mean, I want to say it's like lazy storytelling, but I, I, I like the, the whole opening it is a big dream sequence. The very opening scene. The very beginning, yeah. And there's just, does, none of it matter. Like, none of it needed to be yeah. there. You could open with what follows, which is, like, just this great, one of those great scenes yeah. where they just, they, they unveil the curtain and you're like, ta-da, and everyone's like, oh! Yeah. That is great. Yeah. Um, but it was funny, because the whole time we're sitting there, and, like, I, I must have thought about five different, five or six different things that were going to happen were about to happen, and none of them did. And that's good. Yeah. That's a good thing. And, I'm I, you know... Um, like there was also the scene, uh, which I didn't really care for when they like flash forward, they were like, all right, if the plan that they're laying out goes according to plan, this is going to happen. And then you're like, oh, well, this is weird. And then it like flashes back to him just like kind of foreshadowing what's going to happen in order for him to like change, you know, change the plan. Uh, so that didn't happen. Thought that was a little. I don't know. All right. I didn't know that. My only, my really, my only problem is how many times can they question whether or not Ethan Hunt has gone rogue? Like, <laughs> yeah, we're on our sixth movie, and every single time someone's expected that he's gone rogue. I think it's time we might give him the benefit of the doubt. You know. Yeah. Um. It's just always like that. You just can't keep using that as a plot point in every one of these movies. At some point, you got to be like, move past. Like he's not, he's not rogue. Yeah, it's like there's a point in the movie where he gets framed, and uh, they start listing all these things that he did from previous movies that like build his resume to show that he's a terrorist. And you're like, dude, the guy saved the world like six times. <laughs> He did all that stuff so he could save the world. Yeah, you know. Uh, I like that. And he proved that. I like that you pointed out in the movie how uh, he has a type. I was thinking. Yeah. So 
I, I get confused from movie to movie with like because I just don't remember like who who he's with. If this person's a lot, you know, like I like that they bring the whole gang back because this way I know who's around because I wouldn't yeah. I don't carry it over. Um, uh, because one of my favorite things about this movie, well, I'll, I'll get into it, is that it ends, and I want I want to talk about that in a minute. But um, he definitely has a type with it because you you said it. There's Michelle Moynihan who's his wife. Or ex-wife, Rebecca whatever. The, the right, and then um, like the first one, the girl that the French girl he fell in love with. She has got the brown hair, look like the same sort of thing, real that, thin. Was it uh, Carrie Russell was in one of them? She was in the second one, yeah. Right, was the third second one. or third one? Um, the second one was Tandy Newton. Yes. Okay, so she's not of uh, the normal type. Yeah. Like she's at least a little more, but yeah. So so Ethan Hunt has a type. Um, what I was saying was I, I love that this movie ends. That's one of the things that I think really bugs me about movies these days is if I'm going to watch something, I'm signing up to watch like a universe. Yeah. This is a universe that exists in beginning and ending stories. Yeah. And there, like, I miss that. I, that. That to me is... Like, you can watch going to the... Even though there are some... Like connections through the other movies, you could still go into the movie not seeing any of the movies and enjoy it for what it yes. is. Yes, so let's talk Stand about up. some of the connections to the other movies because there was a few callbacks to it, and um, and you, I didn't catch that one, but I read it afterwards. The Vanessa Kirby, yeah, who's from The Crown, she plays. Uh, oh, she's from The Crown. Yeah, she was good. She plays the sister of the. Okay. Um, yeah, so she makes a reference to. Um, this to Max, who was the woman from the first one. I've just seen the first Vanessa one. Redgrave. Yeah, I've just seen the first one a hundred times. So I went back this week and watched uh, one and five. So to polish myself up on uh, some of that stuff, I hadn't seen one in a long time, and it's still really confusing. I mean, we can get we can get back to. Uh, like each movie later on, we'll yeah. talk about our ranking. Well, I I enjoy that it, it makes life okay to me that you don't like one and you like two. So <laughs> that, that that makes sense to me. I mean, it worries me that I went to school with you know we we studied at the same level. I I like it on a different level. <laughs> we'll talk about it. Um, another call that was obviously like you said the villain from and by the way Tom Cruise looks really he was really young but looks so young in that first movie yeah when I went back and watched it he looks like he's right, right out of uh, the firm did it was it around that when was the firm it came out Mission Impossible came out I thought the same year as Jerry Maguire I'm pretty sure it came out he the same year as Jerry Maguire this than he did in uh, Jerry Maguire um the you know like we said the, the bad guy came back and then there there's also I thought for sure there's a scene in the in the ending where Tom Cruise is hanging from a cliff yeah and I was like oh they're totally gonna come back to mission, the opening of Mission Impossible two here and he's gonna reach back <laughs> and be hanging like like you know um, and I think that it's on purpose that they made it look like that but I really wish that they followed through and, and did that but. Um, the it's cool fin- that they- let's just say the finale of this movie was fantastic. It's like, like it's, it's like thirty minutes of nonstop 
tension and action. Yeah. Like a whole huge finale that they did. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it is just gripping. And then... Because I thought like one of the best action uh, scenes in a long time was in the, the last one. The whole opera sequence, mm-hmm. which took like, I think that was like thirty minutes. When he's underwater, no, the whole, spinning. No, okay. When they're in the uh, opera house, and there's like multiple assassins, and he's tracking the person and jumping and fighting backstage with the guy. Oh, okay, right, I right, mean, right. It was just so well put together, and uh, went on for like thirty minutes, and you're like, wow, this is a big chunk in this movie. Uh, but that finale and. This new one was just pretty awesome. Yeah, um, yeah, and in, 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 in the way with the, the conclusion that it comes to is very satisfactory. Yeah, and it's done again. It, they made very smart choices with when they decide to show you things, like their ta da yeah. is like really well done. It's you know, um, you'd be happy if things just best ended. use of a lens flare. At oh, interesting. End, at the end of the movie. Interesting, yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> they got it right. They got it right. They got the lens flare right. Um, but yeah, that's a good call. Um, all right. So, what do you want to do? You want to rank these? Um, sure. Oh, wait. I have one more question. One more yeah. point I want to bring up. By the way, I love Simon Pegg. Okay. You know, I've been, like, thinking about this. This guy needs to be in more stuff. He's, like, a really, like, charismatic, funny guy. And he's a good actor. Yeah. But anyway. Um, I'm glad he's getting in this role. And now he's in, uh... He's got the Star Trek thing, which he's, like, involved in in terms of writing and being a part of that. So I'm glad he's doing shit like that. Oh, good. But anyway, so you were going to say... Um, I was just going to say, like, uh, in all of these, like, action and espionage movies, like, why does shit always happen in Berlin? Like, is Berlin just the shadiest place, like, on Earth? Like, there's, oh, or, like... Or Russia. Moscow. Yeah, but, right, but Berlin makes an appearance in this movie for a little bit. I'm just like, wow, like, every one of these movies always, at some point, the bad guys go to Berlin. It's just that, like, the look... Of it. Yeah. It makes it look like old timey, you know? And is it cheaper to shoot in, in Germany? No, I don't think anything was cheap in this movie. No, no, that's true. Especially after he hurts himself. They're like, uh, we need to come to your city and basically, like, have massive car chases uh, over a three month, smash a bunch of stuff. And uh, you okay with that? Hmm. Sure, if you pay us a lot of money. Um, All right, so. Let's do this. Let's do the let's do the the order. Where does this one fall for you? Um, There's six Mission yeah. Impossible movies. I think it's pr- right above. So it's probably second. I have it second also. You have Ghost Protocol first. I like Ghost number Protocol four. number four. All right, because I think the way I look at this series, it's like one through three, and then four, five, and six. That's good. Because there's, like, such a stylistic difference. It's almost like when uh, um, Jason Bourne, mm-hmm. or the Bourne Identity, like, went from the first one to the Paul Greengrass ones, and they were so different. It's like, 
the 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 level of action and big budget and all this crazy stunts and stuff that started with four, like makes the show makes the movie so movies so much better. I don't know. Okay. So I thought the third one was terrible. I thought that's my least favorite one. All right. So my least favorite's number two. The John Woo one. The thing I liked about the John Woo one, and I'll bring up the fact that I liked it, uh, which is my, I I think one and three are at the bottom for me. Three is, but two, I like that John Woo was like, listen, the first one was so freaking complicated. We're going to make a movie. We're all to, all it is about, and this is at the time. Obviously, they didn't step, step up the game. This was before Mission Impossible was really a franchise. So he was like, we're going to make a movie that's easy. All it is is about a virus and an antidote. And we're just going to throw a bunch of action scenes in it where people fight and, but, but like and have his style to it. And he's like, okay, let's do it. Yeah, I, it didn't work. didn't work for me. <laughs> and I like the complicated stuff, though. I like the first one that kept you thinking and you had to really, like, the du- you know, double and triple There were just process. so many, like, people wearing masks in the first one. Yeah, it's good. And misdirections, and I don't know. It was just too much. It was too. It was one too many. Uh, gotcha moments. Fake bullets. Uh, people pretending to shoot each other. I don't know. It's just I didn't really like it. All right. So my least favorite to my second least favorite is three. I'm with you. Three just to me was. People love three too. Three. The problem with three was J.J. Abrams shot it. Right. Um, was that he wanted to put more of, like, an emotional... He wanted to basically make Tom Cruise, like, relatable and, like, an everyday man, and it didn't work. I don't want to see him at barbecues and having a life with his wife. (laughs) I want to see him fucking saving the world, fighting people. I don't want to know what his private life is like whatsoever. I just want him to be where he needs to be when he gets that message that's in self-destruct and where he is at the end of saving the world. Anything after that... Do I don't need him doing time. game night with his neighbors. Yeah, okay? I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, people love three because they also loved uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman as the bad guy. He was good. Yeah. But it was just the thing about three is you never found out what the whole story was. They kept saying, oh, you need to get this rabbit's foot. And the whole lining joke throughout the whole thing was that everyone kept saying, what is the rabbit's foot? What is the rabbit's foot? What does it do? And you never find out because he wanted to say, like, it didn't matter. Because they brought his wife into it, and his wife was kidnapped, and whatever. He had some explosive in his head that he had to get, like, shocked that's out of. Right. Yeah, that's like, right. It just, none of it came back to what the whole plot was. That's right. I forgot. Okay. Uh, yeah, because Carrie Russell, like, had the thing in her head, and it blew up. And so my fourth favorite would be five, the last one, Rogue Nation. I liked Rogue Nation a lot. Yeah, I mean, again, most people, I think, either put three or five at the top. Or four. I feel like five and six are just, like, one movie. I I liked six better than five. You know, like, here's the thing. So when I was talking about that underwater spinning thing... Yeah. That scene was so, like, CGI'd to me that... There was a lot of CGI. That it ruined the spirit of what... But there was a lot of CGI in six when he was, like... Dodging traffic like those, all those cars are CGI. But that moves so fast, you can't yeah. tell. 
Like, at no point was I watching six and I ever thought I was watching CGI. Right. And five, I was like, okay, this is obviously, this entire set is fake. You know? Um, anyway, so then one would be my third favorite, six my second, and, and four, Ghost Protocol, my one. Still. Yeah, Ghost Protocol, just the setup from when he's on that building and he, like, looks back and he sees, like, the sandstorm coming and you're just like okay something's gonna happen and then just the lead up to them you know the action into the sandstorm was awesome the whole gps where he's trying to find the guy in the sandstorm and then yeah right drops on top don't you think like we all owe tom cruise like a giant apology as like the world (laughs) to be like hey we're really sorry that you you know yes he went crazy and jumped on oprah's couch but don't we all like owe him a big like apology to be like, hey buddy, look, we get it. You're you're trying really hard to make movies. We'll just stay out of your business, right? Yeah. Wouldn't, it, wouldn't life just be better if we could collectively just say, thanks for all the awesome movies, dude. You go be fucking weird or whatever you're into. Just don't hurt any kids and make awesome movies, and we're fine. And now he's doing Top Gun too. Yeah. I mean, it's fantastic. I'm a little nervous about Val Kilmer, though. Yeah, well, we'll see. I watched Snowman has been playing on cable. Do you know anything about it? I just know it, it was... Yeah, it's uh, really bad. Yeah. But Val Kilmer's in it, and he, oh. he looks... First of all, I don't know what the hell's going on with Val Kilmer. I guess he was sick or something. He had cancer. What are you doing down there? I don't know. There's a bag down there. So, his dialogue... What felt it was dubbed. Oh yeah, like you could see him talking, and like, like it, the words were not synced with his mouth. Uh, it was he looked awful in that movie, so I'm a little worried about how he's going to be in this uh, Top Gun. I'm worried for Val. Okay, um, well let's let's um, get into um, a question you asked me. Uh, when this was over, and I said, how many more of these can he make? And you said, well, it's over when he's done. Yeah, I think it is over when he's done. I don't think it's over when he's done. I don't think anyone's going to go see a Mission Impossible movie that doesn't have Tom Cruise in it. But don't you think, okay, so don't you think people were saying the same thing about James Bond when Sean Connery left? Well, James Bond's a little different. Why? So that was James just, Bond's a series of books. I'm trying to lead this into into that. So James Bond's a series of books. Yeah. This was a television series, so it all comes from other material. Right, but I just don't think like Tom Cruise is Mission Impossible. He writes the stuff, he produces it. You know, he's the whole thing. Right. So Daniel Craig or Pierce Brosnan, they were just like playing parts. It's like. And then we're going to get a new James Bond, which everyone's saying that... What's his face from in this movie? Uh, Cavill. Like, this was his... Oh, I don't see... Audition. See, I don't... I wouldn't... I'm not into that, because he's pretty wooden. The parts he has to act are a little tough. I think they should do Idris Elba. Yeah, I do too. But... But anyway. But... No, no, no. But I'm saying that... I, I think that this franchise can go on the way that... I think this is the American Bond... I don't think it's going to continue when Tom Cruise decides that he's not doing it anymore. 
Um, it's almost like, as I said, when they tried to do Jason Bourne without... But with Renner. Without... Uh, right. But but Bond, I think, I don't have the, you know, I don't I don't trace it through history, but when, when he stepped, when Sean Connery stepped away, who was the next Bond? It wasn't Roger Moore. There was like one or two in between, and they floundered until Roger Moore came along and picked up the series again. I think this, I think Mission Impossible breathes past Tom Cruise until somebody very charismatic comes along and takes the role of Ethan Hunt and does the same way that Bond does. That, that's what I think. Kind of like Jack Ryan? Oh, I didn't throw Jack Ryan in my mix here because I started thinking like, all right. Because Krasinski, he's, he's in the series. That's a tough sell. I'm interested to see this, though. Um... Because I, I, we had Alec Baldwin, was the first Jack right. Ryan, and then Harrison Ford, and now you have John Brzezinski. Oh, no. And then you had Chris Pine. You had Chris Pine. Ben Affleck. That's right, Ben Affleck was. Yeah. A lot of guys have played that guy. And it was, these movies aren't weren't as successful without Harrison Ford. Um, Alec Baldwin's was. Well, right, but he it was, was the first one. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, um... And it had John McTiernan. <laughs> had the best three run. That's right. Um, so I was thinking about the series of Bourne, Bond, and Hunt. Right? Ethan Hunt, Mission Impossible, James Bond, and... I don't know what it is. Oh, well, thanks, buddy. Um, and uh, Jason Bourne. Why would why would Siri go off when I said that? I don't know. So Bourne, Bond, and Hunt. Um what which franchises like do you like the most of those? Born, Bond, or Hunt? Probably Mission Impossible. Really? You don't think that that's recency bias? Uh, I mean, I loved. You know, I I rewatched the third uh, Born movie. Yeah. Recently, and it has so much plot in that movie that it takes away from the movie. Interesting. You mean the third the. Uh... Before the, the last one, before yeah, okay, the last one before Renner so, came in. I feel like it wasn't as good as at the time. I was like seeing like this movie when you first saw Ultimatum. You're just like, oh shit! When he's jumping off the, you know, the rooftops. Yeah, and uh, had it. Listen, that series is great. Yeah, no, and I don't mean to, like, they're all great. And, and Bond, James obviously... Bond, James, I didn't like the last one. But James Bond is obviously the best... I mean, it's been around forever. Yeah, it's so it's, it's, it's you know, but it, we're just talking about recent, yeah. like, you know. Um, I guess Mission Impossible, I would put as my favorite out of those. Okay. Which one has the best song? Because the one thing I noticed is they all three have, like, a cool theme song. Oh. Uh, yeah, I kind of like the score in Born. Uh, oh, wait. So the, the, the well, James Bond, I guess, has a classic. Right, but this is a pretty classic. Yeah. The Mission Impossible, and then you got Jason Bourne ends every movie with that song by Moby. Well, it kind of sounds like uh, Mission Impossible. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they. I don't know. Which one of those guys is the coolest? Which one of those guys is the coolest? Ethan Hunt, James, uh, Bond. James Bond. Yeah, right. Um. It's definitely a good... You guys s- like hooking up with chicks all the time. <laughs> in Born and uh, Mission Impossible, they don't have time. Right. Well, he, I mean, James Bourne can't remember who he is. And, yeah. 
Um, there should Ethan's be, running the whole time. There really should be a skit with all three of them and like putting them into situations where they have to figure out normal things. <laughs> like we used to do a skit with those three. How to use an espresso machine? Yeah, or like those three playing cards. Or getting one of those like those uh, meal kits, <laughs> and then trying to or something from. Uh, Freaking Ikea. Or the th- yeah, those three having to clean an apartment. Just something like... Put together a bookshelf from Ikea. There's some great stuff in there. I don't think that would be tough to get Tom Cruise, Matt Damon, and Daniel Craig together to do it. But it's an interesting thought. Yeah. Um, all right, cool. So I'm interested in the new James Bond, though. With uh, Danny Boyle. It's going to be interesting. Yeah. But anyway. All right. I don't like a Bond that doesn't want to play Bond anymore. Right. That's my only issue with that. Well, we are... Uh, running out of time? We're not running out of time, but that was a, that was a long review. So Mission Impossible. Best movie of the summer so far? That's what I wanted to ask you. Uh, yeah, probably the best movie of the summer. Yeah, like, you said that about Sicario, and I've been thinking about... I, I read some stuff about Sicario after that. And not saying that you were like, oh my god, this is great, but I asked you at the time if it was the best, and you said, yeah... Of the and summer. I, yeah, and I'm glad you didn't ask me back because I might have said yeah, but I was I was a little too fresh, and now that I, there's a lot of holes in that. This is just way fun. Like this is everything you want from a summer movie. Yeah. Um, my, got, da- my dad was pissed off that the uh, Josh Brolin uh, didn't land and get the body of uh, out of the Sicario. car. Yeah. No, and they got shot in the face, and they flew over the body. Oh. Um, well, on to a guy that made a bunch of summer movies. Uh, we, we... One of our biggest action stars. We stayed up last night and watched The Roast of Bruce Willis. For some reason, it started at 10. Yeah. I guess so they can, didn't have to bleep out some of the curses. They bleeped out, like, all the curses until the very end when he said, yippee ki motherfucker. Right. Well, you could say... Sh- I guess you could say one. Yeah, they, you, they they gave you the S word the entire time, but no F word. Um, what did you think of the roast of Bruce Willis? Um, a lot of the same jokes. I thought there was some comedy. I thought uh, Edward Norton's speech was awesome. Yeah, I, I, it's so first, weird. To, at, at first, so weird to see him in like regular life. Well, that's kind of like his the whole point of his fucking like speech, right? Was that no one can see him doing anything but what he does. And he's like, can I go do this? Like, make a horrible movie and then come back and make, like, friggin' Quentin Tarantino or whatever? He's like, no, I can't do that. Um, but uh, I thought that uh, Martha Stewart was, first of all, as we know, uh, what's Dennis Rodman was just a mess. Well, let, before, before we get into each person... All I thought was, just there, was some, about there were some broadly. jokes. There were some good jokes. And there was, some, there was a lot of bad jokes. So I feel like these roasts, they, I used to like the roasts that had a bunch of comedians making fun of somebody famous, a bunch of non-famous people making fun of a famous person. The fact that each one now is escalating into somebody famous and their famous friends versus comedians. So Bruce Willis picked... Takes it a little from me. Which I didn't get because... Bruce Willis picked his roasters? I don't know. I mean, I think that they have a say in the whole thing. I, I have no idea how, how it goes Lil down. Real or whatever his name is? Lil Ray? Lil Ray, like, was like, why did you Lil choose Rel? me? Uh, 
It's like, why did you choose me to come to this? You know, you have a lot of black comedians that you've worked with. Yeah, but they all hate him. I know. Um, but um, so I didn't think it was actually didn't think it was that all that funny. I mean, I, I for the most part, I got. You I got, have some jokes that I, I got a laugh enjoy. from from each about each person, but um, you know, there's a huge difference when Jeffrey Ross steps up, and I know that he's this is what he does, and this is what, but like. That's a professional comedian. It's like, yeah. this is your this is your job. I had a lot of non comedians, and you're doing and, and and so when you see all these other people, well, yeah, they have a good line that was written probably by Jeffrey Ross because he's yeah. like the you know, um, or you I know. mean, all these non comedians like call up comedians and yeah, say like, is this funny? How do you? But do it, it? it's a huge difference when you see somebody coming in who can do this and they just destroy everybody. It's great. So, all right, so let's, we'll go through each, I, just because I listed it, we can do it pretty quickly. Yeah. Uh, the first person was Joseph Gordon-Levitt. He was fine. Yeah, he's, I mean, that guy, that guy's been in, yeah, he's, I don't, I imagine hanging out with him is like hanging out with a show, just somebody who's in showbiz all the time. Yeah. He he had that plot, Plain a Hollywood joke, which I wrote down, not realizing everyone else was going to make a Plain a Hollywood joke, because yeah. I totally forgot that he was part of that. Yeah. And I thought that was really funny at first. So, um, Nikki Glaser, what did you think of her? She's, I guess, taken the role of, you know, there's been a female comedian at each one of these who's kind of blown up. There was yeah. Sarah Silverman. There Whitney was Cummings. Whitney Cummings. There was uh, Amy Schumer, right? I think Amy, maybe not Amy Schumer, but but like, there's always been a, a female comedian who's been really good and blown up. Do you feel like she? Held the uh, up the standard. I thought she was okay. Yeah, I didn't think she was that good. No, and I was looking forward to it. She had one joke where she said it's something about him being popular until Jason Statham started balding. Yeah, but then I was like, eh. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, Kevin Pollock was next. Kevin Pollock is a really talented man and like comedian and. When he did that Christopher Walken, I was just like, and I love that at the end, Jeff Ross like called him on it, how old that impression was. But like, he could have done so many different impressions than he picked Christopher Walken, which is the most overdone like impression that anyone does. Everyone does a Christopher Walken. This guy can like impersonate like anybody. He's that talented. Right. And he picked that. I completely agree with you. It was so hacky. It was just so hacky. It just killed this whole thing. He made a joke earlier about something about um, that. Um, he did the movie Moonrise Kingdom. Oh, like about fifth joke. graders. About fifth graders and, in love, and like the last time he was in love with a fifth grader or something. No, he said he said your wife was in fifth grade when you were forty seven. Something like that. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's exactly. Yeah. Um, and then he said another. He had another Plain Hollywood joke where he's like, uh, "Why not? Why not um, serve forty dollars potato skins next to the hat from Billy Bathgate? Who doesn't want to?" Have... So uh, then, Sybil Shepherd. Sybil <laughs> uh, Shepherd dated Elvis. Yeah, they talked about that a couple of times. She was good. I liked her. Yeah, she was good. Um. um She's like, uh, what, did Bruce Willis say something like, he apologized a lot for his jokes, which I felt was kind of weird, where he would be like, Sybil, 
He's like, well, it was they had a really bad. Like that's the first time oh, they yeah. talked in like thirty years or something. Yeah, they right? had a really they they did not have a a great relationship. But that's that she gets up and her first line is, "Hey, little Rel, I'm sorry I called the cops on your barbecue." Yeah. Like that's really funny. It's like a really. Fun, like, I'm sure that like I said, Jeff Ross probably wrote yeah. that joke, but it's still really funny. Um, little little Ray or whatever, little Ray, it was not funny. No, he didn't really know what he, he was like. And he's a funny he, guy. He kept going. I don't know why I'm here. Yeah. And then he's like, he didn't know. And if then he, he should, just cursed a bunch. He didn't know if he should like really like lean into Bruce or he probably right. he didn't want to offend the guy because he was a fan of him. But like it was like all oh, weird. Uh, and then Ed Norton followed him. Um, and like I said, it was really weird to see him like in person, but he was like really good. A lot of the stuff he said was like real too. Yeah. Like, whether it be, like, his own self, like, how, like, he's difficult. Like, he made some, made fun of himself being difficult. But he also said stuff about Bruce Willis, how, like, he'll, like, do all of his scenes and then leave. And then the other actor will have to, like, act. Look at the orange X. X. Orange yeah. X. You know, um, I, would, I want to go back to, because I, like, I sometimes I'm going between if you're not going to just do the regular cadence of, of stand-up or of roasting. You know, like, when you go to the James Franco one, one of the funniest things was, like, a lot of people liked Andy Samberg going up and being completely clean during that one. I I didn't... Yeah. Um, But that really worked for him to be out of character because the one thing that I think needs to get retired from these roasts is... And this is what Nikki Glaser did that bugged me, is going, so-and-so is here. Like, yeah, yeah, like, you know... You can't only do that so many times, and yeah. it's been like years of people doing it that way. Um, so I appreciate that he tried to. He had that funny different. joke where he said, "Can I make Hudson Hawk and survive that? No, I cannot. I like Hudson Hawk. I know that's what I, my last thing is. is <laughs> why is everyone bagging on Hudson Hawk? Everybody hated Hudson Hawk. I always liked Hudson Hawk. Um, I like his joke where he said, "Why do you keep making movies that are easily dubbed and for the Bosnian market?" <laughs> I like that joke. Uh, Martha Stewart was really good. She's like, I guess, good at these things now. Like, yeah, she's got she, a good delivery. She like does not like her print when people say prison jokes. To me, I don't, I don't know. I think it's all an act at this point. Oh, okay. Um, Dom Herrera. He, well, I like his uh, Courtney Love joke where he said he dated Courtney Love, or uh, who dated Edward Norton dated yeah. Courtney Love, but never became famous enough for him to have him murdered. <laughs> <laughs> he he um he killed Edward Norton. He was like, I've never heard somebody talk about themselves so much in a roast. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Yeah. yeah. Uh, then Dennis Rodman. So the thing with Dennis Rodman, I you know, if you read about it, he really got booed pretty hard. Like they edited the shit out of that because he said a bunch of um stuff about him and um Kim Jong un or ill, whichever one. And, uh, yeah, people were, like, booing him for it throughout the whole thing. And I think they were very... So, like, a lot of the awkwardness and stuff... I mean, he's an awkward guy, but it seemed... You could tell it was really cut together to try to not... To try to save some face for him. But apparently he got destroyed. Well, I think also, like, Dennis Rodman's not all there, obviously. Like, people would, like... Anytime someone roast him, like, it would cut to him, and he would just, like... Not understand the joke. 
Like, yeah. Not, and he would like say something. He's like, look at this guy. This like, he's yeah. like, like always making some yeah. comment. Like, oh, here we go. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> um, here we go. And like, he'll say something. Guy's a fucking mess. And then the big surprise, Demi Moore comes out. But it's not a surprise if you're going to show us in the commercials for the two weeks leading up to it. Or, yeah. Or if like someone reports that Demi Moore was there. Right. But she was really good. I like when he, she said that he turned down Ocean's Eleven. Yeah. That's funny. No, it's not, it's not even funny. It's crazy. No, I know. But it's funny how uh, yeah. uh, how things would have changed, yeah. you know? Um, what is George Clooney? Wait, didn't he do... Was he in Ocean's 12? Was he part of that whole awful Julia that, Roberts that one scene? scene. Yeah. Good God. Because he, he, he recognizes Julia Roberts. Mike, so she was followed by Jeffrey by Jeff Ross, who came out. And just said some of the, like... Yeah, he had... The one where he's like, you're the reason the world has a Vin Diesel. Yeah. He goes... We have Sybil Shepard. She's the Bruce Jenner, Willis. And Lil Rel, he's the Bruce what you talking about, Willis. Yeah. I just thought those were oh, so and good. he called out Kevin Pollack on his impression. His yeah. Impression. He said, your impression's so old, Ashton Kutcher tried to marry it. Yeah. Um, and my favorite line, too, is when he was like... Kevin Pollock, just sit tight. You'll be big when Paul Giamatti dies. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, the three most boring words since gluten-free cracker. Was it, uh, who was it? I think it was Joseph Gordon-Levitt when he was announcing uh, Kevin Pollock. He said, uh, he's been in 150 movies and only like 15 minutes of screen time. Yeah. Um. Did you like? Did you? And then it finishes with Bruce Willis. Did you like his his finale? Um. Yeah, I thought it was okay. I just didn't like that he like would say a joke and then he goes, he goes, "I'm sorry." <laughs> like I'll just say, "I'm sorry." Like. Uh, you did you like that he said Die Hard's not a Christmas movie? I thought that was pretty. Funny. It was pretty good. Yeah. That kind of put a good explanation on. That was a good way to, yeah, to put an end to the whole thing. So. The last thing we'll look so from one comedy to another. All right. So, last week you brought up a movie you watched called Father of the Year, which is on Netflix with David Spade, starring David Spade and what's what's the guy's name? Nat Faxon. Yeah. Um, who you may know from? Well, I don't know why you would know, but he he was He's from that show Married. Yes, which nobody watched. No. He he helped write and was one of the stars of The Way Way Back, which is a which was a good movie. So yeah. he's got to have some kind of chops. Um and he was in that with that Netflix show with the friends with the, the oh, friends with, from college. Friends from college. Um my first question, what what made you decide to watch this movie? I heard David Spade on Howard. Okay. Was, that's why he was on there. He was talking about it. And so you so you were like, oh, I'm going to give this a chance. Did he... I like David Spade. Sure. Do you like David Spade in any movie ever? I'm not saying do you like any movie that he's in, but have you ever liked him in any movie ever? I've been... I was... I... I'd have to go back and like search. The it's movie. a really... It's hard. It's a really weird thing is I think David Spade's really funny... But I don't know anything that he's, like, funny in. Like, I guess he was funny on Just Shoot Me. I never watched it. Uh, 
there's a couple skits in Saturday Night Live. I not, mean, he was on a lot of popular shows. Not what's that the, other one with Putty? Um, that was on Rules remember. of the tr- Yeah, Rules of Yeah. Rules of Engagement or yeah, Attraction. What, attraction or, or Engagement. It's one of those two. Um, he's on Saturday Night Live. But even on Saturday Night Live, unless he was just making fun of people, there wasn't really any time you were like, David Spade's really funny. Okay. You know, like, all of his sketches that were good were of him, like, making fun of people. So anytime it's been anything different from that, like, did you think... Joe Dirt was funny because people, I guess, yeah, I people like Joe Dirt wouldn't say that he was really that funny in it. But yeah, I thought Joe Dirt was funny. See, I didn't think Joe Dirt was funny. Um, it's tough. He is. This not, is basically Joe Dirt. Yeah, it's not far Growing from up. it. Um, so, Father of the Year. Let's let's go through it. Okay, this is probably one of the worst movies ever made. I think. So I'm looking at Rotten Tomatoes right now. It's a zero, um, but the audience score gave it a 61. Over half the people like this movie. Wow. It wasn't even a movie. No. There was like no story. Um, Let's talk about, well, you can, you can, we'll go through your timeline because there's this whole sequence of events when they like, what's the, what's the movie about? The movie. What's the movie about? It's about a, uh, uh, a kid comes home from college. He's on his way to New York. To New York. For his dream job, because he was valedictorian of his college class, and stops into his hometown to see his dad and pick up his friend. And yeah, and they—they they don't even really—they get into an argument uh, about whose dad could beat up who. And the movie is about the possibility of these two men maybe fighting and their relationships with their sons. And how they don't want to—they're kind of like. Weaselish in their own right, and they don't. They want to look tougher to their sons. They don't want to let their sons down. So we meet David Spade right off the bat. Like, there's no setup. These guys come right into home. Nope, no setup. Uh, right into uh, where, um, yeah, where where we meet David Spade, and he's in a pool in the back of someone's pickup truck. Um, he's got this accent. Yeah, this Boston accent. What do? What is it? Why? why? Yeah, what's with the accent? Did they? They've never. They never once referred to the town that they're in, did they? They said they're in Massachusetts. Okay, they did. Okay, uh, he can't pronounce Valedictorian. Amazing that this, his student, his, his son, is a Valedictorian, and he like. Let's just say there's some really bad acting in this movie too. They probably... Alright, so I was looking into the guy who wrote and directed it. His name is Tyler Spindle. Tyler Spindle was... He wrote a, a short called Love and Germophobia, which in 2012 won Holly Shorts. I think we were at Holly Shorts in 2012. Um, he was like second unit director on a bunch of Adam Sandler movies, including That's My Boy... Which leads me to believe he, they gave him the script and they made they cut a bunch of stuff out and he thought well, you know what there's enough here to make a whole other movie with these same kind of characters and that's where this movie was born out of. This, this is a terrible script. This guy who wrote and directed this went to Harvard. Just saying. Um, and and one of the main producers on on his short was Jared Sandler. Who's Adam Sandler's nephew? Who plays maybe the only joke that 
sort of works in this entire movie. Which one's Jared Sandler? He's the guy that... Um, the nerdy guy? No, he's the guy who joins the the white supremacist motorcycle gang. Oh, God. He's in every Adam Sandler movie. That guy. And he looks like him. And also, Adam Sandler's wife's in this. I knew, yeah, I know. They're, they're in like... So, I mean, obviously, that's, you know, that's how this all gets done. Um, all right, so... It's it's one of those things that you just can't look away from, but it's really bad. Um, after we meet uh, um, David Spade, they go into this whole Postmates bit. The Postmates bit where he kept... He wanted to meet this girl, or he didn't know the girl's phone number, but he knew that she worked at Postmates. So she he kept ordering stuff uh, for Postmates so that she would deliver it. It's like, yeah, it's the worst. There's like four setups in this movie, right? There's like four, or I think it's like four or five different. That actress is really horrible. Bad actress. Yeah, not good. Uh, I didn't. I got to see what she's from. Um, there's like four. She's not going to be from anything again. <laughs> there's like four or five setups in this movie um, that are just supposed to be wacky things that happen. The, the sequence. That of events that takes place when they first fight, where they're running through the house and then they get up on the roof, and then they fall off the roof onto this lady's the next door neighbor's um, greenhouse and destroy it. Cut to they're in prison, they're in jail. They couldn't just go up to the neighbor and say, "Hey, we're next door neighbors. We'll fix it. Don't worry." So they're in prison. Or in jail, they get busted out. Immediately after, they get a call. Hey, this is the uh, owner of the job that you're coming to in New York. We got a hit that you uh, went to prison, and uh, we just can't hire any felons or people with records. So uh, your job's over. Click. That was just awful. That whole conversation... That this guy calls him up and goes, sorry, you don't have this job now. Somehow we got a misdemeanor. First of all, you know how hard, long it takes for, like, this record or ever to, like, actually get onto the computer? I mean, he wasn't convicted of anything. They were just waiting. I don't know. That whole thing just drove me nuts. It was so stupid. Well, I wanted, I wanted to just bring up your the girl you said will never work again. Um She's in trouble. She, her star meter on IMDb Pro, of all the actors and actresses in all of all of the world, she's number forty-five right now. Her star meter. Why? I guess she does some pop music and um, I don't know. I'm trying to figure it out. I'll get. I'll let what, you know. She doesn't. What does she have on her IMDb? She, uh, her filmography isn't anything really that I know. She, I guess she does her own. Father of the Year. Yeah, she's on Nashville. I don't know. Uh, Undateable. She's on a show called Undateable. Um, But yeah, so I I don't know. Maybe maybe she will be around. She's a really bad actress. Well, anyway, so he meets her. Well, maybe just in this movie. I want to say this is the only thing I've ever seen her. Okay. So when he meets her... I don't know if she's listening. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, When he meets her, like, we haven't figured out... They still haven't figured out if this guy's a dork or if he's cool or what his angle is. And, like, 
Like he he's. I mean, and and yeah. how could he ever be related he's to David? There, he's doing like a Jason Biggs. But but way I don't know. He's way smoother than that. You know what I mean? Like he's he's not like befuddled by any like. There's just there's nothing. I don't even know why I'm trying to do this. Yeah. There's nothing. There's no emotion by anybody in this. There's no reason for anything in this. Then so how after the, how about the bit where like well, the, let's let's go through it. Uh, so um, like after the Postmates bit, um, my question next was. Do you think the producers like were laughing at takes while this was being shot? I don't think anyone's Do you think Video Village is, is giggling or laughing while they're doing this? I do. Um, I do. Do you think the investors? Hilarious. Do you think the investors were happy when they saw the end product of what they put their money into? But the producers, the people, the producers having Madison. Yeah. Do you think they were like, "Wow, this is like"? I imagine this guy who's been the second unit director on a bunch of Sandler movies. This is probably his big audition. Like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to get to, to, you know, direct the next Sandler movie. Like, there's no way that they, you know, they see this. You know, um, I remember when movies like Road Trip, or, or not even Road Trip. Like, remember they made Euro Trip right after Road Trip, and you thought that was bad. Like, this is a whole new level of the, that kind of humor, just done way worse. You know, like I, I'd watch twelve hours of Euro Trip over and he's over. He's in like a biker gang, but can't ride a motorcycle. Um, That's hilarious. Next, the next big, um, the next big setup was this. Uh, what is the nipple stuff? Oh, <laughs> they were putting the nip, the cream on their nipples. That was just so fucking. Weird. Like it's like not even regular thing. It's not. It's just. So they put the thing on, the, and then uh, you're supposed to grow boobs. Yeah. So uh, David Spade, like, just has leaky man boobs uh, the next scene when he's trying to have a heart-to-heart conversation with his son. He's got leaky, like, boobs. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Then, then the kid goes skinny-dipping with the girl, even though they haven't, like... She hasn't even given him her number yet. Like, they're not even, like, hooking up or anything. And while they're skinny dipping, something, something, like, attacks them in the water. And then we just cut away. And then we showed it later that night. Like, boy, that was weird. Something came after me. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. We don't need to know what it was. We don't need to see any aftershock. Like, nothing. No consequences. Nope. It just didn't. It no just le- happened. No leeches. Nothing. Um... And then I, I, all the accents are terrible again. Um, and, and then, like, the, the, the running premise throughout it is that he's building somebody a pool. <laughs> yeah, that's so ridiculous. In his stopover on his way to New York, he got into a bunch of trouble because the lady, of his dad. The lady, they fell on top of this, this greenhouse. And in order for her to drop the charges, she wants him to build a pool. So he's like building an in-ground pool with just a shovel in himself. I'm gonna make you my. That's 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 the pilot of Jerry, like making him your butler. Yeah. Um. So. So he's like the whole summer he's digging this hole until Adam Sandler's nephew says. You know what? I'm just gonna have sex. No, with that's him. not him. No, the not, no, the other guy. Yeah, his best like friend him. is like. I guess 
supposedly women like want him all the time. Yeah, that, that was weird too. Like everywhere he went, he got like women to like just want to have sex with him. So he like goes up to the old lady and he's like, "Hey, give the guy a break." Again, that's you know, an, it's a, would you just drop the charges if we hook up? And so they hook up, and it comes out, and then there's this running joke how like he likes like hooking up with her. Yeah, man. so he keeps going. There, there's back. a callback to it at the end. What a callback! Um, and then, then there's a drug scene with the dad, with the with his dad, the that oh, guy's dad. They accidentally ate the uh, Molly. They, yeah, and so we get to have one of those, which is if you listen to this podcast, one of my least favorite things that anyone's ever done in cinema history is a drug induced scene, uh, which is interrupted by the drug dealer's parents who. We're played by um, Alan Coven, who is the producer of this, and Melanie Hartzell. Yeah. It's the first time we've seen Melanie Hartzell in like 25 years yeah, from yeah. Saturday Night Live. Um, and then they get into this whole, like, he gets an interview. This this virtual reality interview thing and is when I, when I keep, so hard When I watch. keep saying he, I'm referring to David this, Spade. No, no. Not David me. Spade's kid. Yeah, David Spade's kid. Who I don't know who he is. Again, he... It's, yeah, yeah, he has, like, an interview, and he goes to this place where he... The guy who's doing the interview is not there, so they have to do some virtual reality. For some reason, they're all avatars in a cartoon world, and they're having an interview while they're, like, an animals. Like, be, There's no discussion of why this <laughs> is happening. There's no precedent set before that this is any world that virtual reality would be a part of. David Spade's, like, freaking out. He's running all over the building, falling into things. It's just a setup to make him do something stupid. Yeah. So, right now you're probably listening and you're like, this this podcast is terrible. These guys, they're just mentioning scenes that are happening in this movie. That's what the whole movie was. But that's the movie. They're like, what's the... People are like, what's the plot? Like, we don't... There's no... It's just... The plot is just to set up this scene to get to this scene to get to this scene. Because some guys probably got stoned and thought, this would be really funny if we did this. And so, and at the very end of the movie, he's like, eh, I'm valedictorian. I'm just going to go back home. Yeah. And do what? Like, there was no, like, resolution to what he was going to do for his job. He just wanted to hook up with the girl. So that's what my last question, my last note was, like, what is the lesson here? Like, what are we supposed to learn from this movie? Like, what what is the character arc, like... Like, like, what, what is it that we were supposed to gain by watching this? His father got him a job interview, but taught him about the real world. Yeah, I guess. And decided that he didn't want to do corporate, and he wanted to do something else. Okay, there's a lot of gags we're, we're leading out. Like, there's a running joke line where um, the the Science. his friend's father is always fighting with with his. An eight-year-old son, because his eight-year-old son runs the house. Yeah, and the wife doesn't and he never keeps says peeing anything. in the water bottles, and, and the wife's son, wife never says anything about the son like tormenting her husband. Right. He's just like he's just being a kid. Um. Yeah, it was just a, probably one of the worst movies ever made. I yeah. can't believe that. It got any press and put on any platform. So somebody saw it. Well, I mean, there, this has to be part of the Happy Madison deal, right? With Netflix. So let me see. What, what, um, if, there, if I have any other details about... You got me looking at that 
that girl. What was the budget on this thing? Do you know? If they spent more than like five million dollars on this movie, because um, they didn't have to pay any actors. The only person that like there was only two really named actors in the movie. Actually, yeah. one. Uh, I don't see. It. I don't know. Um, anyway, but yeah, they definitely lost money on this deal. I'm just look. I'm kind of mad that you asked me to watch this. Because it wasn't even so bad. It was so bad, but it wasn't like... This didn't result in us laughing about how bad it was. It's just made me mad that I sat through this stupid thing. Um, it did make me think that I don't know if I've ever laughed at anything that David Spade has done outside of like a couple skits in Saturday Night Live. And I still like him. <laughs> I like him in interviews. I like him when he makes fun of people. I mean... But if he has to do anything that doesn't involve him being snarky, I don't know how much I'm a fan of him. I don't know. Okay. Uh, well, Tyler Spindle, director and writer um, from Harvard. Maybe what's these what's, what's he got coming up? Uh, I saw that he is in development on something, this director. this He's a stand-up comedian, the Dunderheads. This movie had no development. This was like, all right, guys, let's show up and we'll figure it out as we go. Um, um, there uh, you go. All right. Well, I guess we'll see you next week. Or maybe not. Why? Oh, because I may be out of the country? Yeah. Well, yeah, well, I mean, I, if, I, if so, we'll it'll probably we could do it like on Monday or Tuesday, like this one. Today's Monday. All right. We'll talk later. Oh, no. Wait. Yeah. yeah. That you wouldn't make you sense. You don't understand some weeks. I don't. <laughs> How weeks go. Well, if I go, if I go somewhere, like, the, all the time shifts, like, t- like, 18 hours into the future. Well, you're going to have to go to this robot show if you go. All right. So you can talk about it. Um, but, right. yeah, uh, thanks for listening, everybody. And right. sorry that, please don't see this movie. Mission Impossible, yes. Father of the Year, no. <laughs> all right.